Hello, welcome to the Harvard EdCast, a series of conversations with thought leaders in the field of education from across the country and around the world. I'm your host, Jill Anderson, filling in for Matthew Weber. Today we are here with Ann Holton, former Virginia Secretary of Education and longtime advocate for children and families. Holton's impact on children has been broad-reaching through her work on child welfare reform and foster care, all the way to cutting back on standardized testing and supporting efforts to create a more modern curriculum. Welcome to the EdCast. Thank you, Jill. It's great to be with you. In today's political climate, there seems to be a lot of uncertainty about what's to come, how education is going to change. And today you're talking at Harvard about challenges in public education. What do you consider the greatest challenge facing public education today? You know, Jill, I'm just such a champion for public education. I think it plays such an important role in our society and has low these many, many years. And I'm concerned that there is a... Uh, um, uh, a mood that, that, that's questioning the, really the fundamentals of, of, of public education. And, and while I think that there is strong support in our communities for both uh, folks' local schools and for the concept of public education, I worry about it. I worry about whether schools are going to have the resources they need. I worry about whether uh, they're going to have the, 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 the freedom and autonomy to do great teaching. Uh, and and I worry about the, the challenges that we all uh, face every day trying to help make especially our kids who need strong education the most as an escape from poverty whether we're up to the challenge. So to flip things a little bit, I think we also focus a lot on what's always going wrong in education, not you know looking at other parts of the world, comparing ourselves, putting us against other rankings. What do you think we're getting right in education? Yeah, and I think we actually do get a lot right in education in the United States. Uh, uh, I would say um, one is that we are innovative and creative despite some of the, the pressures that, that push against it. And, and when you talk to educators from around the world, they say they look to us for that, that we are, and really this is K-12 and higher ed, that we are um, we are the top of the line on understanding that uh, creativity innovation, um, uh, communication skills, uh, critical thinking skills are, are uh, a core part of what we need to be educating kids on. The other thing I would say that I'm excited about in public education, I spent a lot of time focusing on our, uh, on our high poverty communities. And I just am so impressed at the teachers and educators who continue to stick it out in really difficult circumstances where children have families that are um, um, facing all kinds of challenges, uh, who bring all those challenges with them to school, who are now under all the, the uh, testing and accountability and higher standards pressure, and yet still uh, uh, stick it out and just love their kids every day and do everything, everything possible within their power to help those kids be successful. And so you brought up teachers, and you've been a long-time champion of teachers. So I have to ask you, as someone who's lived your whole life pretty much around politics, what would you say to those teachers listening who are scared right now or want to have a, a bigger voice in policy? How do they make that impact outside of their classroom at, at another level? Yeah, yeah, great question. And I do think we need to help teachers, students, parents tell the story because, you know, uh, Polls show that uh, folks uh, folks support their local schools, folks support the concept of public education, but folks don't always understand the disconnect. They don't understand the financial stresses that we're putting schools under. They don't understand um, 
uh, how much we're tying teachers' hands uh, and, and making it hard for them to inspire love of learning and to do great teaching. And so I think teachers do need to find ways to communicate with the wider public. I also always tell uh, teachers, educators, and champions of public education of every sort to absolutely we need you to engage in the policy discussions at every level from um, uh, connecting with your local school board, running for school board, connecting with other local uh, with elected officials at all levels. Shifting gears a little, you're also at Harvard as part of a Woman in Education Leadership Conference. Women make up a, a large percent of the education field, but only a small percent go on to become leaders. How can the education field better prepare and support women to become leaders? You know, there are lots of great women leaders in education, so, but, but, not, but disproportionately at the, uh, you're right, not at the higher levels. Um, uh, so, uh, that's, so it is a good question, and I think things like this conference to help women think about their leadership roles, their leadership styles. Uh, I think it's uh, harder for women in ways that we, uh, uh, some, sometimes we naturally don't put ourselves forward uh, as much, but if you can help women understand the importance of their gifts and importance of, uh, of that, that it's not about you, it's about what you have to contribute um, uh, to, the wider, to the wider cause. Uh, and if we can help figure out how to make um, all of our industries really more family friendly, um, then I think it helps women step up to the plate. And you're one prime example of this. So what, what is your secret? You have three children and an amazing, successful career and an obvious leader. So what uh, can you share? Well, uh, so <laughs> on, the, on the personal, yeah, okay, I'll share a little bit of personal tips. And, and the first one is, is um, not, not new advice, but um, if you're going to be raising children, you've got to have good, strong partner. And I am blessed with a good, strong husband who's very engaged at home. It doesn't have to be a good, strong husband if you're if you're raising children as a single parent. Then you but you need somebody, whether it's um, extended family or a friend or neighborhood network. In addition to my strong husband, uh, who's very engaged um, in this joint project of raising our young people, we've um, lived in a neighborhood for a long time where we really raise our children together. We've got great friends, and we've been anchored there for a long time. I would say um, that morphs into a second piece of advice is uh, uh, one, one way anyway to make the, to make the work family balance um, work is um, to think that you can do things sequentially. You don't have to do them all at the same time. There were times I was a stay-home mom for um, several years of our lives. There was a time when, um, when I was on the when I was a juvenile court judge and my husband was the mayor and he was our um, afternoon babysitter on one or two days when the kids got home early from school. So you can do things even if you can't do them all at the same time. You can do things sequentially. And then finally, we've had great uh, support beyond just family. I started to say, yeah, this, this neighborhood community we live in, and I really encourage folks to look for community and, and dig in and don't don't be uh, uh, embarrassed to stay in one place for a long time. And it, and it doesn't have to be one of the three big cities in the, in the country. There are communities out there or neighborhoods within big cities where you can really develop that sense of community. So speaking of community, you're going to be stepping into a new role soon. Um, as the member of a board of education for Virginia? Yes, actually, I, uh, I uh, was appointed last month and have attended my first meeting already. All right. Um, 
So what is that like for you, shifting from being Secretary of Education to being a member of the Board of Education? Yeah, you're a, a good question, because it was it was kind of funny at the first meeting. You know, most, most of the board members were folks that I helped get appointed to the board. The state superintendent, who is the secretary to the board, was my, um, my subordinate and now my boss, as I said to him. Uh, and just lots and lots of folks interacting with the board I've interacted with in lots of different ways. So we had to start right off at the first meeting. Everybody wanted to know what to call me, and I had to tell them, call me Ann or call me Ms. Holton, <laughs> but don't call me secretary. There's there's only one secretary at the time. We have a, my, uh, my dep a woman who was my deputy is now my successor, Dietra Trent, doing a great job as, uh, in that job. And uh, so it is a little tricky. Everybody has to be conscious that I'm in a, in a new role, but I'm delighted to be in it. Do you think that your prime focus will shift a lot? I mean, you were focused on a lot of specific things, accountability, rebuilding the curriculum, um, and many more things. What do you think will be your prime focus as a member of the Board of Education? Well, specifically in my board role, uh, there are a couple of major, well, really three major projects that I was working on as secretary that I will now be able to help carry on as a board member. And uh, one of them is, yes, accountability, that we are now in the process of adopting our ESSA plan. Uh, and we're really looking quite broadly at how redoing how we uh, evaluate students and evaluate schools and how we intervene. Um, with uh, schools that, that need help. Uh, and so I'm very excited to help carry on the work I did, um, I helped get started in a different role. Uh, the Board of Ed is also the entity that um, is uh, responsible for setting graduation requirements. So the board has um, gone through this process of adopting a portrait of a graduate and really thinking about how do our graduation requirements um, match up with the skills and, and um, abilities and citizenship um, needs that the, the, the needs our, our kids will have to be good citizens and good members of the workforce and the board is is the entity that translates that vision into the specific regulations around high school graduation requirements so I'm excited about participating in that and then finally the Board of Ed in Virginia does have significant oversight responsibilities with um, schools that are not meeting the standards and uh, that's uh, been a passion of mine for a long time is helping our our schools in high poverty communities um, and uh, it, where there's a lot of good good intention um, and a lot of challenge and I'm eager to participate in the board's work to help work collaboratively really with those local communities to help raise the bar. Are there any other, can you give us any insiders on what you, what else you might be doing outside of the board? No, I'm still in exploratory phase <laughs> uh, for that, except to say, it, you know, that I'm looking for ways to be a champion for public education. I just feel like there's a real need more and more now, and I'm looking forward to being engaged in the conversation. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for taking time to speak with us about issues facing education today. This has been the Harvard EdCast, a production of the Harvard Graduate School of Education. I'm your host, Jill Anderson. Thank you very much for listening.